You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. So welcome everybody to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today I have Chad Hamsey. Um, He's a former professional MMA fighter. Uh, Chad has basically lived, I wouldn't say nine lives, but at least five. Um, He has you know, pretty much conquered e-commerce business, or I should say direct response business. Uh, he's generated over a hundred, $150 million for merchants, vendors, and e-commerce businesses. And 90 million of that is actually for his own in-house properties. So Chad, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, pleasure to be here. Thanks, Maria. Appreciate it. Awesome. So as I was saying, Chad, um, and we were talking a little bit as we were getting to know each other, you know, you've, you've had so many different experiences indirect response, of course. I mean, you've done, you know, traffic, affiliate marketing, all, all, you know, email, all that stuff. But I did want to just quickly give everybody a little, um, a little bird's eye view of, you know, your, your past. And, you know, obviously it's very interesting. You are a former MMA fighter and then you went into, you know, direct response. I, I'm curious on, you know, how, how your career started in direct response and what happened before then. Yeah, for sure. So, um, basically I, uh, I started, um, I was a business analyst when living in Canada. So I, I moved, um, well, we'll get there in a second. So back in Canada in the early 2000s, I was a business analyst at a telecom and I had been fighting and training MMA and whatnot since like 2001. Um, it's something I'd always want to do all my life ever since I saw like Bloodsport with Jean-Claude Van Damme, like back when I was eight years old. <laughs> so uh, that was always a dream to do that, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but you know, you had to pay bills and all that. So I was like a business analyst and I talked to my wife in like, you know, around 2007 or so. And, you know, I'm like, you know, we're not really doing what, you know, I'd like to do and you know, what you like to do. So why don't we just go somewhere where we can train full time? Cause she was into that stuff as well. So it was kind of like, well, you know, we didn't have a lot of money at the time. So it was like, where can we go where, you know, we can train full time and not really have to work much and, uh, you know, not go broke. So we, uh, we moved to Thailand. We were there in Thailand for about a year, 2008 to 2009. And it was awesome. Like one of the best years of our lives. Um, we did get broke still. <laughs> we didn't really have much money there either, but, um, you know, you can live a lot easier back then in Thailand. So, you know, training, fighting full time, just living the life and all that. Um, at the end, um, at the beginning of 2009, my, my dad got sick. And so, um, I had to, uh, move back to Canada to take care of him. Um, cause he was going to be living with us. Uh, my parents were separated. So it was basically like a couple of months before moving back, it was kind of like, okay, I don't want to go back into a cubicle type of thing. And, you know, I gotta be at home to take, you know, take care of my father and all that. So I was basically like the guy who typed in the Google, how to make money online. Like that was essentially how I started learning. And you can imagine, especially back then when compliance was a lot lighter oh, on yeah. ad platforms, like the amount the of good just, old days, Chad, the good old days. <laughs> of course. Yeah, for sure. No, I hear you there, but um, just the amount, the rabbit hole of just junk that I went down to try to learn stuff. So, um, so that was like really how I got into it, you know, and it's, um, I ended up stumbling upon um, PPC coach. Uh, it was a old forum way back in the day that 
that taught PPC. And, you know, what's interesting is a lot of the guys that you see these days, like the stack that money guys, and a lot of them, these other guys who are teaching or have gone on, they had, a lot of them started there as students. Um, and, you know, we just all learned different kind of pay-per-click strategies and all that sort of stuff. So that was essentially it. I mean, I started June 6, 2009, because that was the first day I got back and I was like, I need to make some money fast. Right. And, um, my wife was the one who went back to work and now she was pregnant and she was actually carrying us for quite some time while I could do this. And, um, I would teach some privates here and there and that sort of stuff for fighting. And, um, and yeah, I, I think I had my first six figure month about three months in three to four months in. Well, that's, that's, that's not bad. I mean, that's, that's pretty quick. I was, I was just grinding. Like I was launching tons of campaigns every day. And frankly, it was like, um, I had to make it work. I, I funded people are like, Oh, how did you fund it? I'm like debt. Yeah. I just went in, I just went like 20 grand and 30 grand in debt on my credit card to just pay for ads and, and buy data and learn it that way. That was pretty much it. I mean, that's how I got into it. Wow. Did you find, I mean, you know, the, you know, you kind of like went quickly, you got into six figures quite quickly. Usually people take a couple of years. It could take, you know, months, you know, everybody's different and obviously the skill set. So do you find like, if you were to start today with that same journey, do you think it would be as quick your, your ascent to six figures? If I was starting from scratch, like without any knowledge, um, I think it'd be easier. Really? Okay. I I like to hear that. Well, so here's the, here's the thing from a compliance standpoint, it'd be a lot harder right now. Um, but just in, from a learning standpoint and training, there's just so much more info. Like you, you didn't have a lot, like we had that forum, we didn't have YouTube videos and tons of stuff to teach you, like how to run ads, how to start a drop shipping store, how to start an e-com. You didn't have any of that. It was just like, um, most of the guru stuff was not really good or real or really didn't do much. And, um, and so we were just all in this forum learning, <laughs> like just testing and stuff. So it wasn't really, so I think now still easier. Okay. You know? I mean, I, I like to hear that because I do hear a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people always, there's always this, like, I missed the boat. I missed the boat on, on crypto. I missed the boat on, um, direct response. I missed the, you know, there's always this air of like, oh, it's too late for me now. So it's mm-hmm. nice and, and refreshing to hear that you, you know, you've it's in direct response. 10 years, I consider a veteran, uh, a veteran in this industry is saying, you know what? No, it's actually, it would probably be easier now. And I agree because, you know, when I, I got into the game in like 2006, uh, you know, in, in the adult space, it was like, it was really difficult to recruit affiliates and it was mm-hmm. really difficult to, to, to pay them. You just paying affiliates was like a full-time yeah. job, like figuring out yeah. like how to get money to this person and that person. And people don't realize that it's, there's always this like, well, no, it was, there was less people that less co- competition. I, I kind of disagree with that. Cause I feel like, you know, if you're good at what you do and, and like, like you, you know, you studied, you kind of put the work in to figure it out. You know what I mean? If you have more resources, but I guess to each their own, but I find that interesting. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, it's uplifting for young people to hear like, Hey, you got a lot more stuff uh, that's available to you now and you can do it. So I'm curious to know, like your first venture, you know, you said you, you made, uh, your six figures after a couple of months was this was in affiliate marketing. Yeah, correct. And I just want to add something real fast to what I just said. Um, these days you have far more support structure. That's the, that's the difference back then from a competition standpoint, um, 
And from a compliance standpoint, for sure, yes, it was easier. And, and in that respect, from just a money hustle mindset, it was easier in that regard. But if you go into these days and you try to build something real, like even if you're, you're simply an affiliate, but you're building a real operation, um, in my opinion, it's easier now because of the support structure. Okay. Um, back then you were like often on your own in a lot of ways. So just wanted to add to that, but yeah, so I started out uh, as an affiliate. Um, you know, a lot of it was health related stuff. Some of it was like car insurance type things, you know, lead gen, that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I started out as an affiliate and I was, um, strictly an affiliate from 2009 to about 2012, you know, okay. around the 2013, um, but yeah, so I mean, in 2012, I came out with a, because I realized there wasn't a lot of training back then. There wasn't a lot that was done by legit affiliates. So I came out with a program that was called Traffic Black Book, and it got very popular at the time and tons of people loved it. And um, I came out with the second version in 2013. But other than that, I was strictly an affiliate for like about the first four years of oh, my wow. career. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the affiliate space really, um, you know, took off, I think in those years and, uh, you know, even I think buying traffic was the one thing was, it was a lot cheaper, uh, than it is now. Right. So that, that was one opportunity, obviously that you had, you had uh, the, the opportunity, like right now, us traffic is obviously like gold and everything else. You know, if you can make it in another market, it's, it's really good. So when you, when you stop the affiliate space, I guess you saw an opportunity for you to create your own offer after you've learned you know, a considerable amount of, of what, um, you know, what everybody else was doing. Can you tell me about your first couple of offers? Like, what did you decide to launch? Uh, how, how did you go about it? Yeah, for sure. So, um, the first off, I never stopped the affiliate business. I still have it actually. Um, oh. it's just, it's just evolved a lot over time. Um, but in, uh, 2013, I started taking on, um, some clients as, uh, as an agency of sorts in a way. And um, so the original VSL offers, those video sales letter offers, like the early ones back in um, for health and that sort of thing around 2013, we actually became like the biggest traffic source, like to always top one to three traffic sources for those. Nice. So generating like, you know, 40, 50,000 a day for these clients. And so that was actually, it was like an agency model and it was pretty cool because it was just a lot of liquid. Like we brought in a lot of cash doing that. We didn't really have any expense. We were just getting a percent of ad spend. And um, we were just scaling these offers really big. Um, and so the way that I ran it was I was already buying affiliate traffic. And um, what I did is I would just take on these clients that had similar offers to what we were running as affiliates. And I would just go to like large sites at the time, Yahoo, you'd go and do a display buy on Yahoo. So I would just buy a big block of ad space and I would rotate the client's offers into that ad space. So I already knew the traffic converted and I was already monetizing it and I would just fill in their offers into that ad space. So if we could keep scaling, we we're always running at high scale because of that. Um, so then I was like, you know, I'm, I'm running traffic for a lot of these. And I, I was approached by one of the networks that we were running traffic with. And the guy asked me, Hey, have you ever thought of doing a trial offer, like running your own offer and that sort of thing? And, um, I was like, yeah, I have thought of it. Um, I've heard it's a pain in the ass. So I just kind of avoided it <laughs> for now. And, um, and they're like, no, no, you know, we kind of, we can kind of help build that out for you and this sort of stuff. And so that was actually the first thing we did. We did some diet offers, uh, in, um, the Canadian market in, we started in 2014 
And that was around the same time I started a very large publishing site. So that's a problem I've had, which I tell people don't do is like, I'll start, I'll run like three, four different businesses at one time. Uh, I usually tell people just focus. And then I go do the opposite, which is (laughs) not ideal when you're running things that like, you know, eight figures plus scale. Right. So, um, but that was the first time I I started in, in the offer game was in the trial space. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a treasure trove of, of questions right there. The, the trial (laughs) offer space and so forth. Um, I, I, I did, you did mention that you, you ran it in the Canadian market. Um, you didn't want to do something like you didn't want to kind of go bigger into the U S why'd you choose Canada? Um, you know, so I, I was still living in Canada at the time. Um, and so I moved to the U S early 2014. So I didn't have, um, around the same time, like a month after I started the trial. So I didn't have a lot of, uh, U S processing capability. Keep in mind, like I was, um, I didn't know a lot about processing at the time, right? I just kind of, again, just like how I learned PPC, I kind of figured this all out. So it's basically being in Canada. I was able, I was, I started with international mids like merchant accounts. Okay. Um, so I didn't really, I wasn't, I didn't have signers and there's a whole bunch of stuff we could talk about. I didn't, I didn't have any. You didn't have the infrastructure basically to support. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I didn't have the infrastructure. You know, Chad, we met like eight years too late then. You should have contacted me. I could have helped you out with that. Yeah. It's, you know, obviously now, even on the merchant account side, all roads always, every offer, anything you do, it always kind of, it's funny because, you know, I started the podcast and it's like, oh, I, you know, I I work in merchant accounts, I do payment processing. And then, you know, what the hell am I going to talk about? But everything, whether Mm -hmm. it's copywriting, offer creation, buying trial, it always leads to having strong payment processing and making sure the payment and and all the best offer owners know this. And this is their, their, their secret sauce is knowing how to structure your merchant accounts, how to, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, distribute things and currencies and all this stuff. It's such a huge competitive advantage. And I think as, you know, the economy, maybe constricts or things kind of change around a little bit, people have less money. This is what's going to be the difference maker for people who make a lot of money and the people who kind of get, you know, obviously offer creation, all that. But if you have that as a basis and a lot of people have great offers, a lot of people know how to buy traffic and you have to look at tech, right. To, to see oh, yeah. what, what can make a big difference. So I, right. I'm happy that you gave me like a little bit of a, a promo there. Cause I'm like, people always say, well, what's the difference? I'll just get a merchant account. I'm like, no, there's, there's a difference. You know, if you get no, a merchant sure, account yeah. in Canada and you yeah. use it for us traffic, you're not going to convert that well. Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, also how you set up the merchant account, I'm just going to say mids. So yes, that's what we call them mids. Yeah. Everybody, everybody who's in the know calls the mids. So go ahead. Yeah. So um, it's how you set up the mids, how you route them based off uh, bin numbers and all this other stuff, um, which you know all about and you could get into, but um, so there's some tech involved there. Um, like I have a friend of mine who he was heading up the tech for like a $400 million uh, straight sale operation in Nutra. And a lot of it had to do with like, he would use machine learning to route, um, you know, bins and all this stuff to, you know, credit card numbers to certain ones to, cause the processing would go up and then you'd have a, you know, five, 5% increase in your approval rates. Yeah. And at that scale, that's, that's a lot of money, right. Just from yeah. optimizing that. So, yeah, I mean, um, so that was, you know, I started in the Canadian market. I was able to get merchant accounts. Eventually we did some in the U S market, but I mean, we scaled very high in the Canadian market. We, um, we, sold to basically 1% of Canada's population. Wow. Yeah. We, we had, um, we had like over well over 300,000 customers. Um, that business, yeah, that business did about 47 million or so over about two and a half years. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so, you know, that was where we were. We did a bit in the U.S. as well. Um, I was always like worried about the U.S. with like compliance issues and <laughs> things like that. Everybody is. Everybody's always scared. Like if I do something wrong, I might as well be in Canada or somewhere else, not in the States. But well, it's not it's not that, you know, it's not necessarily that you're doing something wrong or whatever. But, you know, um, there is FTC and so forth. And, and sometimes, I mean, just in the space that I'm in, uh, that mm-hmm. I see a lot of merchants and I see a lot of people, you know, um, with different offers. Sometimes it's affiliates, for example, you get the wrong affiliate they do something wrong and then ultimately you're responsible you may not have been watching too closely and you're just making the money and then it's like oh my gosh like they were promising people like free iphones if they bought for me and you know all that that's like done at a smaller scale now i think it's a little bit whatever but as a business owner you know you are ultimately responsible for any sales that come into your funnel so if your affiliates are mis-selling you there you go. You can, you know, you, you, you can get into some pretty bad trouble. So, um, mm-hmm. so why did you decide to go to the U S then what was the the main reason? I just wanted to diversify it actually. Okay. And you know, what actually what was a big part of it was, um, around that time, uh, castle law, which was the, uh, privacy laws in Canada, they really restricted the ability to email your customers. Like you needed, basically it came to like, I had 300,000 customers and about 600,000 partials and I couldn't email them because of the way castle law came in. If I wanted to adhere to that law, I wasn't able to email them because they didn't give me uh, express consent, even though the law wasn't in place at that time, it was the weirdest thing. So I basically just had to like, forget about those prospects. And to give you some context, Um, when I would send an email out to my trial list, promoting another offer, um, we would get like, you know, a couple hundred sales just from that one email drop. Like it was a big part of backend revenue in a trial operation. Um, and so we just couldn't do it anymore. So in the U S the U S is a opt out jurisdiction when it comes to can spam law and whatnot. Um, and it's the, one of the only ones in the world like that. So it, it gave a big bump in terms of margin. And oh wow! Okay, yeah, and 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 the processing, the processing thing helped. But eventually, I was able to start using the U.S. mids for uh, Canada as well. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. I mean that that's interesting that um, you know the U.S. is giving you uh-huh. or you know the having your U.S. mids. Or, or going to the U.S. Sorry, I'm 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 losing my trail of thought. But going to the U.S. opened up, you know, an email marketing kind of stream of revenue that was not uh, available in Canada, which is pretty crazy. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I find that in the U.S. it's funny because a lot of the laws are a lot laxer than everywhere else in the world. But people mm-hmm. seem to be more scared to operate in the U.S. You know, because I guess. I don't know. There's a lot of federal bodies that are scarier sounding than, than anywhere else, I guess. Yeah. No, you know what? Um, so, you know, without going into a lot of detail, it's like um, you actually, when you're the big, big fish in a smaller market, you're much more visible uh, from a legal standpoint, compliance and that sort of stuff. You have to audit your affiliates much more. Um, yeah. And whereas in the U S our volume would, would not really be a big blip on the radar compared to a lot of the advertisers down here. Okay. Um, and so it's, you know, even at 47, some million, like there's guys that, that just crush that they're doing 10 X that in the U S market. And also the other thing is um, the uh, it's not very cut and dry in the U S in terms of legal compliance. Right. So uh, as long as you're kind of adhering to, to, you know, your standard and whatnot, what affiliates do, yes, it can still get you in trouble and affiliates, you know, we'll do stuff, but, um, 
you have a lot more leeway, right? Okay. In, ter- in terms of, I, I mean, obviously it's not legal advice, but I'm just saying. Um, and then, yeah, and then you have the email side of things, like the data side of things in the US is such an advantage. Like if I was to do it again, I would, I'd have a cheaper price trial. I would do things um, without trying to scale super, super hard. Like I did back then I do it in the U S but the data side of the business, the back end, the emailing, the selling of data, all that's fully legal and compliant in the U S and that's actually where a lot of the ROI would come. Oh, nice. So, I mean, uh, you know, you touched upon a couple of interesting things. So you said, you know, if you had to do it over again, obviously the landscape of free trial in terms of compliance, legal stuff, you know, laws change, laws change slowly, but they have changed. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about a couple of lessons that you learned. I'm assuming you did free trial, like the old model of like $1.95 or under five bucks for the initial, and then yeah. like $80, $90 for the rebuild yeah, 14 right, days yeah. later. That was a very traditional oh, yeah. kind of way. So mm-hmm. how have, th- how have things changed and what are the lessons that you learned that can maybe make that model kind of work in today's world? Yeah, for sure. So the first one, um, is no, not everyone says like, know your numbers, know your numbers. But um, what they don't think of is if you are getting a lot of merchant accounts, um, the uh, the rate card pricing, and you know this better than anyone, the rate card pricing that they give you, the fees, like the interchange fees and the actual costs for the mids is different than what the effective rate becomes. And that's a huge thing. That was something that like, especially with the international merchant accounts, that's something that sideswiped me like early on was we're like, oh, okay, 6% rate or whatever it was. That's that's what we're going to do. But when you effectively backed it out, it was at like a 15% rate. Wow. So yeah. So like we were just getting destroyed on these bank fees. Like, so, you know, in this, in this day and age, right. If you were going to do a trial, the first thing that, I mean, and this is just my opinion, there's other people that would um, probably run it harder or do it different ways. I would do it where the, um, the trial, first of all, is a lot cheaper. Right. So I would find, you know, and I'd be, well, we were, we were actually very transparent with it, like in our terms and everything, but I would still make the trial cheaper. Um, I would potentially do like a free plus shipping for, um, a book or similar on the front end, actually. And then on the back end is where I would put supplements, right? Because that kind of opens up the traffic networks a lot more because you're selling information, right? That's just one option. I've seen it successfully uh, these days working like that. From a subscription side of things, I would do again, like fair price, like what's the supplement cost? If it's like a $30 supplement or $40 supplement, that's fair, right? We pitch that. You do a little lower price because you're going to get a higher retention on average. And then I would also probably give the option of a an info type membership. That could be like a $9.99, something we do in an e-com brand that I have and in another, um, like an automotive and then another e-com brand I have is a like a VIP club type thing. Okay. That could be a bump offer on the checkout page. That's something that's like between $9.95 and $12, $13 per month. What it gives, it gives people free shipping on their initial order and then free shipping ongoing. So they just get a coupon code that they can always use for future orders. And then you can give like, you know, information, membership type stuff, you know, monthly ebooks, that sort of thing. Um, the good thing about that is it's kind of a micro continuity and um, it's a checkbox thing. So they have to, they have to opt in and all that sort of stuff. And um, they have very good stick rates, really, really good stick rates. So, and then you can actually use that as 
email like driven marketing later on because you're like, hey, you're on the VIP club. Did you know that you still get 40% off all your future orders? Uh, check out what we got now. So that's kind of the way that I would do it. Okay. Uh, because knowing the numbers is like that rate card pricing, um, the mid thing is is something that's brutal. Adding to that, I'd probably stick with domestic merchant accounts. Um, yeah. To give you an idea, like we, when we shifted our portfolio to like 80, 90% international, that was when that business started crumbling. And then eventually, right. yeah, for sure. Um, we were, we were very, very profitable when we had about 40 to 50% of our merchant processing going through us mids. Uh, if I had hundred percent, like a lot of guys do that, that business would have been a walk in the park in terms of like profitability and cash flow. Um, the other lesson I learned was there's a cost for fast onboarding of mids. Um, I don't know how fast you onboard mids, but the guys who are making the promises with the international mids where they can get you spun up in a week or whatever, a week or two, those were the ones that ended up costing me the most when it came to reserves, not getting paid out fees, all that sort of stuff. So take the time with scaling. That's such an important thing. Um, don't worry about tacking on as much processing as possible. If guys are are promising you that, I mean, we, we had over, over 1.5 million of reserves that just weren't paid out to us. Wow. I mean, people, people don't realize this and and, and I didn't know, you know, obviously, you know, a lot about payment processing, which I didn't, I didn't know we were going with the conversation, but like one of the biggest things that I, you know, when merchants are like, Oh, I need to, you know, get some more money. I need cash flow, whatever. I'm like, how much reserves are your, are your processors holding? And Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, they're holding way more than they should be. Um, or they have a six month rolling, but guess what? They haven't been rolling the reserve after the six months. Nobody's noticed. So they're just taking 10% off your top for, Mm -hmm. for long, long time. So, I mean, the, the lesson here for me, at least is when you said, know your numbers is look at your merchant processing statement. A lot of people like just never look at it. I'm like, you got to look at it and understand what's being charged, what's being held, how much is coming back. Because at the end of the day, if, you know, like one mistake happens, for example, where they hold your reserves without paying them out, that is 10% of your top line revenue that's gone. You know what I mean? Like this is a lot of money. So if you're 20% or 30% profitability, that's like, you know, half or a third, you know, they're, they're basically, you know, a a business partner of yours, um, your processor. So you, you have to make sure, you know, and, and uh, it, it comes back to data. It comes back to intelligence. It comes back to like reconciliation, but I did want to just quickly mention, you know, we have a lot of listeners who are maybe newer to the space and kind of getting their feet wet and stuff like that. This yeah. is, I feel like advanced basics, like yeah. get your offer to scale to like 50, 60 K a month, and then yeah. start kind of looking at this for now, just kind of get a mid, get whatever you got to do and just make some money when you get to yeah. like 50 or 60 K, you know, listen to this episode with Chad again, and make sure that you, you follow all these rules. And then, you know, obviously reach out to me and, and, and I'll explain how, how you can get a good mid strategy. But, um, sure. you know, there's, it's, it's funny how, uh, again, you know, it, the, the conversation comes back to data, comes back to merchant accounts, comes back to like your top line, but I don't know who's selling you mids for 6%, Chad. It's, it's, <laughs> that's high. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's just besides the point. That's just a, a, a little, kind of note, but, um, I do have kind of like a, maybe a little bit of a newbie question that I'm just curious when you buy a list, I mean, just cause a lot of people offer me to sell me lists. So I have lists, a thousand people and 10,000 people. I just find that a lot of these 
you know, how do you, how do you know it's a quality list? Like, how do you know if this is decent? Is it by price point? Is it just kind of people that you know, or what's the kind of methodology there? Yeah. So a lot of times um, we're getting this data from people we know, right? Um, You don't really know if it's quality until you test it. But that being said, uh, we'll use certain tools like, um, like email oversight, uh, there's, you know, zero bounce. There's another one that's pretty well known where we'll always run the data before bringing it into our own ESP. We'll always run the data through that. And those, those platforms will identify uh, valid verified leads. They'll identify ones that are bots, spam traps, that sort of stuff. So you make sure that you don't mail to those. We only mail to the verified first that are like, we know their real email addresses. So that's just a first step of like due diligence that we do. And then mm-hmm. after that, um, since we're mailing so much every month, we we can put that data in slowly into our ESP accounts. And it's not an issue if it just starts bouncing and whatnot, because okay. it blended into our overall volume, kind of like uh, mid blending and, and whatnot, but similar type of idea where um, if the, that data doesn't do well, it won't like it doesn't open or click well, it won't affect our overall ecosystem. Right. Okay. And so, so that's it's, just, it's harder for somebody who's starting then, right? Because they they don't have the proven data. They have to almost like cross their fingers that their lists are good and stuff like that. So, I mean, I guess, would you recommend that you build your own list to a certain point before you start buying lists? Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, it's, it's like, uh, it's really just the metrics, right? You know, if you're somebody that's good at getting good quality data from people um, and you just start slowly testing it. Right. You start to see because if you go to an ESP, um, we use a lot of dedicated IP pools, um, so dedicated IPs and, and that sort of thing. But if you go to an ESP on a shared IP pool yeah. and you just slowly start trickling it in, it's actually in a way advantageous because you're re- in the beginning, you're relying on the IP reputation of the rest of the ESP's ecosystem. So in the beginning, it can be good. And then as you start getting a lot bigger, it's good to move over to dedicated for the opposite reason for like, because if you're still on shared and you're pretty high volume mailer, you could have people on this shared IP pool that just start doing some really rough stuff. And um, that affects your deliverability. So that's when you want to start moving over to a dedicated. We run both. We run hybrid. Basically, we run dedicated and shared. But in the beginning, as a noob, you know, a noob, if you want to call it that, um, buying the list, you can start to see the metrics slowly. It's just about bringing the data in slowly. It's not like you're going to put it all in and then just blow up the whole account. Yeah. And if you do, it's a shared account anyway, but you, <laughs> you just usually you don't want to do that to your shared friends though. But yeah, no, no I get exactly. what you're saying. Like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like you have to go slowly and just kind of, you know, build your yeah. reputation, just like with anything. I mean, you know, if we're talking about email with media buying. You're not going to go, if you have a budget of like 10 grand, you're not going to go day one, 10 grand, right. You're going to split it up, try to learn your lessons, try. So it's the same kind of thing. So, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot about email. So I'm actually really happy that you you, you 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 educated me on that a little bit because I'm I'm also like we're doing the podcast we're doing a lot of stuff but the email list has always been something that's on my you know it's on my mind I have a lot of emails because of people who come through our funnel so these are just ours people who are interested mm-hmm. but I'm always worried just to to start mailing because it's it's it, obviously fear of the unknown and trusting somebody with a list is also hard and that you know obviously because of all your experience in email uh, I did want to talk a little bit about ID engine idengine.com 
Amazon, which is another project of yours, uh, which I mean, I, I didn't, I don't know much about email, but I know, you know, some basics I would say. Um, and I thought this was a really neat solution and just like, wow, like I didn't even know something like this existed to this scale. Right. So, um, just to give the audience a little bit of, of background. So ID engine essentially is a, a place or, or, you know, a system, a software that will allow you to capture, uh, visitors, uh, your your visitors' email addresses seamlessly, right? Is that is that kind of? But you say seventy percent because there are other services out there that have this type of you know promise. But you're saying you're going to get about seventy percent of the people who visit who abandon the page. You'll you'll get their email. So can you tell me? I, I that's obviously a very uh, you know kind of not experienced description of your your product. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Just because it's 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 obviously very unique. Yeah, for sure. So. Um... Typically, it's it's called what's called an identity resolution platform, and typically those platforms will only match at most maybe twenty five percent of the uh, site visitors you have to a you know an opt in email address. So it's kind of like you have a hundred thousand visitors a month to a website. At most, they'll usually get you is twenty to twenty five thousand emails. Um, with ID Engine, we're right now we're typically between fifty and seventy percent. Um, we actually have a couple of clients that are like 80%, 81%. And so that's essentially, you know, 100,000 visitors, you can get up to 70,000 emails on average. Um, so the way that we do it, like without getting too much into secret sauce is we kind of aggregate several different upstream data providers. And so that's why we just, that's one reason why we have a better shot at matching who that person is. So all of us, you know, we have, we all have cookies, we all have browsing history. We have all that sort of stuff. We've opted in onto several tons of different pages and publisher sites and that sort of thing. And that's essentially how we match it. We kind of have a very good picture of the person's identity and who they are and, and, you know, their email, you know, what their buying patterns are, all this sort of stuff. And then we match that to a publishing, like basically a publishing network of sites and where those people have opted in. And then you might have five different email addresses that that identity, that person has opted into. Then it comes down to this whole kind of cleaning process and all this stuff that we do, which is kind of like proprietary on why, how we get a really high quality email address at the very end. So, you know, I'll strip down the promises that, you know, essentially if you know, like I say, if you have a hundred thousand visitors a month, we can usually deliver between, you know, I'd say 45,000 to 70,000 uh, valid opt-in email addresses. All of them are checked for recency that they've opened an email in their inbox within the last 10 to 20 days. So they're all very active emails as well. And um, we, uh, we scrub them for, you know, legal reasons like people who have opted out on other lists or screamers and all that and all that sort of stuff so we make sure the data the final data we're delivering is as strong as possible so wow so does it i mean just curiosity and i don't want you to reveal anything too proprietary but like obviously i'm assuming that depending on the browser it could be like if if more people are on chrome or safari or you know is there a browser that's kind of preferred uh for this type of service to be able to to kind of gather this information for you like if most of uh, your people are on chrome for example does that work better no not necessarily um okay. well i guess the inverse of it is more safari on mobile has a little bit lower match rate so you do so i guess the best way to say it is um like you know, if you're having a lot, if you have a lot of Facebook traffic coming right to your site and whatnot, that might have a slightly lower match rate. But at the same time, I mean, we haven't been seeing lower than 
like overall, we've been pretty strong with how we've been able to match it. And um, so browser hasn't been a big, a big thing for us. You know, the guy, the guys who are hitting above 80%, like, which we don't even claim that we can do, but the guys that are doing that, um, a lot of them have email traffic hitting. Right. And so very high engaging email traffic. A lot of them are in the same conservative uh, political space that we are. So I kind of know where they're getting those, that traffic and that traffic tends to be tagging a little higher, but, um, but they're all opening. Like the craziest thing you'll see is that the open rates and the click rates are very similar to what opt-ins would be. Like, it's very close. It's, it's very odd. Really? Well, it was odd when we first, we started developing it several months ago. And when we started, you know, tweaking it and testing it, and then I optimized it to revenue per lead versus just optimizing to opens and clicks. But we noticed the behavior is very similar. So if I was to go to um, a political newsletter site and pay for an email drop, I could see the open rates, what those drops are. This, if we grab those leads, the open rates on ours are very similar. Yeah. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That's, so, I mean, you know, this is just another way. And and I, I actually, you know, for me, let's say an email drop versus this, if the data is good, this is somebody who's visited your site. So there's already also some like brand recognition. There could be some, some kind of like, sometimes like, you know, I have a son and I get distracted and I'm about to buy something and it's like, oh, I just, I just like, oh, and then you just forget. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a nice little reminder of like, Hey, what's going on? Or, you know, could, could, I could see how that would be, um, you know, the open rates would be similar because there is, um, um, we're always distracted, right? So that, that a phone call comes in or, you know, your kid drops something or somebody's talking to you and, and, and so forth. So I think that's, that's pretty genius. And I, you know, I, I do, I do, I never, not that I never studied email to this, this extent, but as you know, things change a lot with like iOS and, you know, Facebook being so strict and so forth, everybody seems to be kind of focusing on the email uh, avenue or, or a little bit more. I feel like email was, you know, the, the is becoming the new kid in town again. It was like, obviously the beginnings of direct response was always email based and that, you know, that was one of the only tools. And then it kind of went away because Facebook and YouTube and all that kind of stole its thunder. And now email, email is back. Like it's just, people are, are, are back into like learning, not that it ever went away. It just feels like it's kind of living a Renaissance, I guess, or, or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I love SMS for example, right? I love SMS traffic um, on my e-commerce stores. SMS is such a good revenue driver, but SMS is like, if you're going to do it compliantly and I really recommend you do because TCPA laws are really rough. Um, it's kind of limited. You have to get SMS opt-ins. There's just no, like, there's not many ways around it, um, you know, that you're going to do that are risk-free. Whereas on email, I mean, everything at ID engine, everything that we do there, it's fully compliant with like can spam law and also all the U S privacy laws. Uh, you don't use it internationally because international, they have a whole different privacy setup. So like our pixel doesn't even activate on international traffic that that way we avoid that entirely. So Emails like, you know, like you're saying, SMS is awesome. I love it. It's, it works so well. It's expensive, but it, it's always ROIs, but it's so limited on what you can do outside of just the direct, you know, opt-in, the SMS opt-in, right? So, you know, um, we, you know, I optimized ID engine off of our e-commerce store. So kind of like an abandoned cart type series, but we have guys who have VSL offers where they fire the, the ID engine pixel like 10 minutes into the VSL. 
so that, you know, they're not getting a bunch of traffic. That's not interesting. Oh, nice. yeah. They're only, yeah. So there's all sorts of stuff you can do with it. Um, you know, affiliates who have advertorials, like when somebody scrolls 80%, that's when they fire it. So there's a whole bunch of things that, you know, you can do. It's pretty cool. Um, and I think it's going to be a big advantage for people now that like ad rates are going up and, and, you know, you have just costs going up in general. Um, the, uh, the ID engine costs are like pretty minimal. So. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, that's that. I like that you said that the interesting thing, and this is, you know, sometimes something, uh, something people forget. I had an episode recently with somebody who was talking about video and, you know, he was saying, we were talking about going viral um, versus, you know, kind of targeted traffic. And I like what you just said is that, you know, you don't want to necessarily fire a pixel in the first second, and then somebody drops off and then you get crappy email addresses, then your bounce rates are higher then your open rates are lower. Everything's kind of, you know, you're, you might as well cut that to like 10% of actually people who are there, you're going to get more qualified buyer, more open. So, um, yeah. you know, I, th I think at the end of the day is, you know, as targeted as your traffic is, the better it is because you're just, if you have a hundred customers, 99 buy, that's mm -hmm. much better than 10,000 visitors and one buys. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing that, you know, obviously ID engine has this flexibility and, and you can do a lot of, a lot of different stuff. So I'm, I'm I mean, I, I, I will talk a little bit about more about it and, and also, um, to people in the industry and also, I just, I want to research it a lot. I've, I've never, I've never heard of something this, like I've heard of obviously capture stuff, but I haven't heard of something being this effective. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to hearing about your progress. So Chad, thank you so much. Um, this was, you know, we went from mids to uh, email to free trial. Like, I mean, you, you know, a little bit about everything. So it's, that's, that's pretty awesome. And, you know, 10 years or 10, 12, you know, a handful of years seems to me, at least, I guess maybe my age, I'm aging myself. It's, it's a short amount of time to know about all this stuff. You know what I mean? Usually careers are built over 25, 30 years with yeah. somebody that has so much experience. You went from, you know, fighting an MMA and stuff like that to, to now kind of knowing everything about marketing. So thanks so much for, for appearing on my show. I really appreciate it. And everybody, uh, if you want to get in touch with Chad or kind of look up all the different products and services, I'm going to have some links down below. Uh, feel free to reach out to me if, if, you know, you want to get in contact with Chad. And thanks so much for your time, Chad. Definitely. It was a pleasure. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once. 